Looking for a coffee that can finally give you the flavor and experience that you have been missing? Then your next coffee order should be from cstatecoffee.com. C-State Coffee is premium, hand-selected, highest-grade available coffee that is roasted, on order, delivered fresh to you. And right now, you can take 10% off your order by using the code GRIND10. That's G-R-I-N-D and the number 10 for 10% off your C-State Coffee order. Head over to cstatecoffee.com so you can enjoy the smoothest and most caffeinated coffee available. Start your day off right with C-State Coffee. This week on the Route 16 Grind, in the Outdoor Update, we talk about the Senate Bill 3422, the Great American Outdoors Act. And from the field, we interview Alex and Joel from Bro Survival. Instructor One from Riker USA covers situational awareness while driving. And in the rock, mud, and dirt, we're going to talk about getting into off-roading and things to consider before you hit the trail. In Go Adventure, we interview Chris from Adventure Centric. Then we wrap up the show with a cup of joe. Route 16 Grind, Episode 26. Hey, bro, do you hunt? The Route 16 Grind is sponsored by Sea State Coffee, Warren Industries, Tuffy Security Products, and Route 16 Off-Road. The Route 16 Grind, the podcast for outdoor adventurers. Each week, we bring you information related to off-road and outdoor activities. If you wheel, hunt, fish, overland, or are an all-around adventurer, this podcast is for you. Each week, we pour a cup of sea steak coffee and talk about informative topics, the gear, and the training that can help you have a successful outdoor adventure. We have amazing contributors and some great conversation. So, grab your cup and enjoy the show. Hey, welcome back, Ethan. What's going on, man? How are you guys doing? I'm not sure what's up with my little high-pitched voice there, man. I need to drink something. Uh, you went back to prepubescency. Yeah, something, man. Hey, uh, yeah, we missed you last week. Had a lot of stuff going on, dude. We got a lot of stuff going on this week, man. Uh, super stoked to hear about uh, um, the uh, Senate bill passing uh, the uh, in the Senate. So I know you're going to talk about that. And we got a couple of people we interviewed this week. I was super excited to get those guys out there. And check this out, dude. We actually got a new Patreon. That's awesome. You want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, man. So we want to thank Cheryl Nabby from HerJeepLife.com. They're a great crew. They're supporting us with a $10,000 a month to the show. Thank you so much, our sugar mamas. And just to let you guys know, uh, you are automatically entered to any giveaways we have here on the Route 16 Grind. And because of your level, you're not entered just once, but twice not twice, but three times, three times. You get three entries right off the bat for anything that we're running here. And you guys know we got that thing going on with Factor 55 this month. So Abby and Cheryl, you guys are in there. You guys make, need to make sure to check out HerJeepLife.com. Uh, great crew there. Check them out. And uh, you know what? I look forward to running to you guys out on the trail in a meetup. I'm pretty sure I got some swag for you. 
We appreciate your posts and feedback. One of the best ways to help out the show is to post a five-star review with your feedback on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts. This helps us grow the Root One Six Grind audience, and we also get a chance to hear from you. So if you love the show, please consider leaving us a five-star rating on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts today. The Outdoor Update is brought to you by Tuffy Security Products. Having your vehicle broken into is not a laughing matter. Trust Tuffy Security Products to stop opportunistic thieves. Tuffy is the industry leader in automotive security and provides peace of mind when you walk away from your rig. Durable and easy to install. Tuffy Security Products has adventure-ready consoles, drawers, and lockboxes available for you to organize your rig and secure your gear. Visit TuffyProducts.com and use special offer code GRIND to save 10% on your order. Remember to lock it up. Welcome back to the Outdoor Update, the weekly segment where we provide you with stories, news, and information from the recent going-ons in the outdoor world. And this week... We're going to retouch on what Brian talked about last week, which is the Senate Bill 3422 and the fact that it has indeed passed through the Senate. And we're going to just, you know, recap on what, you know, this act uh, entails. Don't forget that um, this is going to provide $9.5 billion over five years to address some public land maintenance backlog. Um, it's nearly worth three point or $3 billion set aside to benefit lands and waters that sportsmen and women depend on. And will also provide permanent funding for full land and water conservation funds at nearly $9 million annually. Folks, this is huge. This, this unprecedented bill is going to provide billions in funding and increase public access for sportsmen and women for generations to come. So definitely something you should get on board with. We here at Route 16, we ask you that you contact your House representative, your congressman, your congresswoman, and urge them to continue to support this bill. That way it can ultimately get passed. The Red Warren Badge says you're equipped to handle anything, ready to conquer any challenge that may come your way. That badge has stood for off-road excellence for more than 70 years. During that time, we haven't stopped innovating or striving for perfection. Be ready. Be prepared. Go Warren. When you hear the calls, you know we have a report from the field. And this week, we have an amazing interview with Alex and Joel from Bro Survival. They also have a YouTube channel known as Bro Survival Studios. These two young men are putting in the time to help recruit the next generation of hunters. And make sure you guys go and check out their YouTube channel. And I hope you enjoy the interview. I'm here with Alex and Joel from Bro Survival Studios. Hey, guys. Welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? This is Alex. This is Joel. Hey, man. Hey, I... I'm just really appreciative you guys could find the time to to make this happen. Uh, f- saw you guys, obviously follow you guys on Instagram. Looks like you got a, a pretty cool thing going on with Bro Survival. So, you know, why don't you guys tell us a little about yourself, Alex and Joel, and and then what is Bro Survival Studios? All righty. Um, I'm Alex Trinan. We live in Minnesota, and um, I'm 15. We're getting new to this stuff, Just pretty cool to be at this. Um, I'm Joel. I'm 16. So what? Um, we've been best friends since like fifth grade, so we've known each couple, um, each other for a while, and it's we just wanted to start a thing and just show what we love out there. And um, really, Bro Survival Studios started out as a small, a really really small YouTube channel, just doing airsoft. And we were into airsoft. It's it's kind of like paintball. You just shoot like plastic BBs. It's kind of cool, but. Um, 
when when we like outgrew that and went more towards hunting and fishing and then that's what our channel grew around we were just having fun in the outdoors just doing what we love trying new things and that's what we're doing right now we're just trying every type of fishing hunting anything we can get into you know that's awesome because my son uh he's 13 he airsofts and uh you know being retired when we first got into it uh i was just like oh man but i just love the fact that he gets out there and everything i've taught him far as uh handgun and uh, uh rifle fundamentals he applies out there and he's able to take it understands a different system but he also yep. gets out there and he just started hunting this last year so it's really cool and i want everyone to really highlight uh, these young men here uh they're still high school age and they're getting it done and they're going out there and you guys are documented you're kind of in that generation that's more connected to the internet which is amazing and i tell you what you, you guys might think this is small right now i do feel you're going to grow but you're going to appreciate what you're doing many years from now uh so i think it's pretty cool so you talked about just kind of like transition from the airsoft and then documenting the things you've been doing now Obviously, on this podcast, we're very, I mean, me, I'll just drop myself out. But yeah, the, the whole turkey thing is just an obsession. I just, you know, got into it last year and it's an obsession. I saw you guys had some pretty good gobblers, but you got a little bit of everything yeah. up there in Minnesota. Yeah, we just, same as us, we started turkey hunting last year and we put all we could into it. We were just going crazy hunting every single weekend we had off, just any day we had off of school. Didn't have that much luck. Shot a, um, just a few. And then this year, oh, man, that changed everything. We got I, – I feel like you need a year to get to know a sport before you become, like, really good at it. Like, we had not that much luck, but we had luck at it. And then this year, we put our time into it, and we got – we were just – we were getting it down. We just had the luck for it this year. So when you're talking about putting that time in, to me, that translate into instead of just going out there and hoping, you probably prepped your hunt. You went scouting. You kind of had a, a better idea and concept of where you're going. You might have, I don't know if you put out some trail cams or something like that, but would you feel that? What was your preparation from, from when you first went out there to where you transitioned and learned and what you apply now? Yeah, um, really, we... Uh, we hunted on our grandparents' land, and, and um, they got a lot of acres, and it, it's just more better for the turkey hunting over there, so we got to know that area a lot, and we duck hunt over there, deer hunt. We do everything over there, so that's how we know the land, and then when I shot my turkey on some public land that I found on the DNR website, yeah, awesome. my first day out, then I got it. You got a, a oh, yeah. public land turkey. That's good achievement right there, man. How how is your public land out there? As far as uh, your popular, you know what? I probably should roll back a little bit when we're talking about turkey for Minnesota. How many tags do you get for turkey? Um, you can only shoot one turkey. Really? Uh, and then we have the. Yeah, we get two tags. Has to be bearded. Uh, so bearded male, female has to be a bearded turkey. Uh, we had a guy on here. Uh, Ten Point Outdoors. He's from Tennessee. I want to say he said they could get six in Tennessee. That's crazy, man. Six. That would be because I'm missing turkey hunting right now because our season ended uh, two weeks back and we've only been able to shoot one. So I've been bringing everyone out I could turkey hunting. Like I brought my dad. It's his first time turkey hunting. I brought my little brother. It was his first time turkey hunting and we all got gobblers. I brought my girlfriend out. I brought my grandpa out. I brought everyone out. 
this, you know what? I, I hope that our listeners are really capturing this. Uh, you guys aren't just, you know, growing into the sport, but you're absolutely doing the whole R3 effort. Um, something that you enjoy, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, recruit, uh, retain. What's the other one? Uh, reactivate. Uh, so reactivate, y- yeah. yeah, you're, you're, you are doing it. And, this so what what was the attraction to to, to get in this? I mean, again, you, you know, there's there's all these things that you know, young men your age would, would would be involved in and stuff. But you guys are out there on the weekends, you know, and it, it it ain't necessarily like uh comfortable up in Minnesota on these hunts and stuff. So what what was the attraction for you? Um, well, we've always grown up as hunters. As like, I started hunting when I was eight years old. Got into deer hunting, and yeah, it's. We really just enjoy it. And then, um, yeah, just every weekend we go out and just, it's our, we enjoy it. It's our passion. Every year we start something new. Like, we just got into turkey hunting last year. We got into waterfall hunting this year. So we're just trying new things, seeing what we like, see what we don't like. So how do you like duck? Now I got to be straight up with you. So uh, one of the hosts that used to be on, uh, Chuck, he just got into duck hunting this year, and we both had this whole concept with uh, with duck hunting. But he totally he he sucked into it. He's like, yeah, I'm a duck hunter now. I for yep. me, I I, don't, I haven't I haven't done it. Every time I look at like these Canadian geese and you know these mallards and stuff, I'm like, man, I just threw bread at these things at the pond. And I'm not saying they're not challenging. I'm absolutely not saying that because uh, anyone that's never been turkey hunting that thinks that, oh yeah, that big bird's so easy. Yeah, go turkey hunting. Um, the yeah. uh, the, uh, the I, I'm not saying it's good, it's not a competitive thing, but it's I just haven't like bit it yet. Uh, far as with that, what was for you, is it just the accessibility because you're up in Minnesota and it's something that is very common? Uh, for us down here in North Carolina, you know, duck hunting's not the same uh, as it is in other areas. It's a little bit harder to get to. Yeah, um, yeah. there's a lot of people around here that duck hunt, and I wasn't really into it. I always said I wasn't going to be a duck hunter. I always said that. I'm not going to buy a shotgun. I'm not going <laughs> to get into duck hunting. But um, then Joel, he's just like, I'll bring you out one morning and see what happens. Yeah. yeah, I started duck hunting when I was 10, and then I got Alex into it, and then now he's hooked. Yeah, I'm hooked. It's a passion, I feel like. It's just crazy how much I want to go duck hunting. Like, I'm counting down the days till goose hunting starts. It's, it's a crazy. different hunt, and I think that's really what it is. There's a... There's a, you know, for deer hunting, there's a set ways. It's just, it's a, there's a difference. There's a difference. Uh, you go turkey hunting, how you approach that is different. And then same thing with duck hunting. Um, and then, uh, what's that crane? Oh my gosh. What's that big crane to the flying, you know, steak? Uh, God yeah. dang it. You know what, what I'm talking about? Can't believe the I forgot Sand about Sandhills Crane. Yeah. So that right there is a whole different level too. The, but I will tell you this full disclosure. I just got my tag, my son's uh, tags and my tags in, uh, today. Um, and I did get the hip and I did get the, uh, waterfowl tags for this year. So <laughs> I'm on the fence, guys. I'm on the fence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good because I, I wasn't into it. And then I, he brought me out one morning. We weren't successful. All we shot was one goose, and, it, and that was my first goose I ever shot. And I'm like, we are going as much times as we can because I had so much fun with it. Yeah, and you know, I always tell people that have thought about it because I mean, for me, I'm, I'm a born again hunter. I am that reactivate type of guy. So I was hunting years ago uh, when I was around your age, and then I joined the Marine Corps. And fast forward, you know, twenty, twenty five, thirty years, and uh, yeah, so I'm old. Uh, 
you know, I, I just wasn't something that I did. Uh, and I just went on a hunt and hunted some pheasant and I got the bug again a couple years ago. And, and here I am. And now I'm hosting a podcast talking about all the things that I love. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, as far as when you go out there and you're like looking at your friends and stuff, do you, you know, how is that conversation when that you have, you know, being so young and, and talking to other people about hunting, um, how do you handle those uh, ones that are kind of like, what, you know, you know, how, how can you be this person that can be safe and independent out there? Um, really we've been taught as a kid. Um, like if we are going to bring up someone, you have to have your hunter safety. You got to have all that stuff down. And then like, most of our friends, we got a lot of friends that don't enjoy hunting. I'm just like, have you ever considered like going hunting? Because they say they don't like hunting, but they've never been hunting. So, right. Like, yeah, just try it once. It, it'll shape your mindset around it. And there, and now I got a group of guys coming out. Like, I have six friends that want to go duck hunting. I'm just like, I'll bring you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and and then two, I think one there's that camaraderie. Two, it's bond and. You know, you're able to share ideas and stuff. And like, especially as you get older, you'll, you'll, you'll probably capture that, uh, a little bit more in the sense that, you know, you, you guys are going to start becoming more of your own person in many ways, but you're going to always have that connection, like with through hunting and fishing and the activities that you're doing. And that's what's pretty cool about all this. And, you know, I, I think one thing too that's missed out on is how much respect hunters have for the land as well as the harvest. Like, you know, I, that is one thing I ingrained so much into my son is this is not so much killing an animal as it is harvesting, you know, meat for the family. And we're going to show respect for this animal by using as much of it as possible. Uh, it's not something that I'm just not a person that's just going to, you know, there, there's some things that uh, I'm just not going to throw away. We're going to harvest everything we possibly can and utilize it. And I don't, I think that part is kind of missed out on when people think of hunters, you, they just think that we're all trophy people, which is a fine, I mean, absolutely. Uh, people that want to capture those memories and hang it on the wall. I mean, I, I got my first turkey freaking fan sitting on my wall and, and stuff like that. But nope. hunters have so much respect for it. And just listening to you all, I can tell that that resonates with you, even though, and I'm not saying this in a negative way, even though you're so young, this is pretty awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, here's the thing. So have you ever heard about snow geese? Do you know what that is? No. <laughs> so it's another breed of geese, but there is overpopulation like it is crazy how much snow geese there are so they have this one thing called the spring conservation hunt where it's like month to two month and um you can go out there um we went hunting in south dakota i just went with a group of guys i really didn't know but they said you want to come out with us and i'm just like yeah sure and i i'm gonna go every single year because it is such a blast and that's the thing you shoot there's no bag limit you can use unplugged shotguns it's crazy it's just the experience of it and like when we went we went two days and we harvested over a hundred birds oh wow that's the thing yeah we have the respect for them so when we got home we butchered them all we got them all ready and we made so much jerky out of it and like (laughs) that's the best jerky i've had so i can't lie (laughs) and you know you you that is something that you create there's to me it's it's just a different experience when you harvest so literally just last week uh we cooked up uh 
you know, the turkey that I harvested this year. And, and uh, you know, it's just, it's, it does. It just, it tastes much better when you, to me, it does. It tastes much better when you're able to do it that way. And, you know, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's get, let's talk about fishing. You got, you know, Atlanta 10,000 lakes. Uh, what you got going up on there? Um, yeah, we're, we're more hunters, but like we love fishing. So like in the summertime, we'll go out anywhere we can go. And yeah. Who's the better yeah, fisherman? Gotta, Who's the better fisherman? Yeah, we only there's a cabin up um, towards north, and whenever we have time off of work or anything, we'll go out, um, fishing up there, and it's just crazy because I love it. It's just a passion. What type it. of fish are, are primarily you focused on? Mainly northern pike and bass. Yeah, which one's yeah. better to eat for you? Ooh, yeah. really depends. I'm not much of a eating fish so if i eat fish i gotta drown it with like barbecue sauce or something but <laughs> what oh my gosh all right we need to send you some recipes brothers <laughs> yeah, yeah oh but that's fun. barbecue sauce and fish oh man i don't dude. know it's- <laughs> hey don't knock it till you try it right so I'll, I'll i might take a bass and try that sometime and let you know <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty good I, you should try it yeah i'll I'll let you know i i will i'm not just saying that i, I definitely will try it and let you know and i'll give you a thumbs up or, or thumbs down um yeah so the, the uh so when i'm, I'm going to go back to your snow geese that sounds to me a little bit like how pig population is in the south you know i'm primarily i, I grew up actually in texas and it's just crazy there um the uh, out here in north carolina yeah same thing you can harvest a uh, pig uh year round um very few places do you even need a, a permit unless it's like i think game some game lands you'd absolutely still need a permit and just saying hey you could hunt on the game land uh you pay a small fee whatever but uh yeah pig out on the coast too there's a great place where i took my son to uh mortalis uh outdoor adventures and a couple guys that came from the same uh marine recon unit uh community that i did in the marine corps they uh, run it and yeah the pigs out there i just saw some of their harvest that dude they got some like 300 pounders out there so they got a couple of beats dude (laughs) yeah but you know it's the little ones are and this sounds uh, i mean people if you're not into hunting and stuff i'm not trying to be crude but yeah the, the little ones man oh my goodness they taste so much better they just do. That's, that's <laughs> in every. Well, little one tastes better. Yeah, man. I mean, you want to talk about some really good jerky? <laughs> so, hey, so you know, I w- how about this? Uh, what are some things that you have learned along the way? Like, you know, what are the things that when you first start were really hard that are easy? And what are some things that, gosh, man, you would love for people who are just getting into hunter, hunting, hey, things to consider, whatever it may be, you know, whatever game, what are those things that you feel were part of your whole transition and you would love to share? Well, I think you got to start off small and go like deer hunting if you have it in your place, because it's just, you can bring anyone out, you bring, dad can bring you out if you're young, you, it's just something you do, and then like. Once when you get more transition, I, I'm thinking turkey hunting. You gotta go turkey hunting. Yes. Who, like whoever I brought turkey hunting this year, they're like, "You're bringing me next year." It, it, I had a blast. I'm just like, "Well, that's the thing. I love it." And but definitely the respect for um, deer hunting right away. So I definitely bring them out deer hunting. You you know what they say? Uh, you know, once you become a good deer hunter, then you're ready to be progressed to a turkey hunter. Yeah. Exactly. I. I feel that. 
I, you need a lot more discipline, I think, in my opinion. I get that deer, and there are probably going to be some hardcore deer hunters out there who are going to give me hate mail, but uh, I know deer can smell and all that, but good Lord, you know, turkeys, they see 50 times better than us, and they are absolute survivalists, man. Um, oh, no. They, Crazy. yeah, and uh, getting them calls down and cadence. Do you guys use the, uh, what kind of calls do you use with turkey? diaphragm we both learned diaphragm God, i suck at those man i i gave up dude i'm still doing like the the slate and the the box calls and stuff um I'm, i might practice a little bit in the off season i don't know man uh, i haven't embraced it yet dude haven't embraced it so i've watched plenty of youtube so i'm like god dang dude and i just feel like it's just not coming together but i'll try i there are so many benefits to using a diaphragm though so many benefits and and i Totally agree with that. The fact that you have your hands and you can do those calls and draw it in. Uh, yeah, absolutely. There have been moments I wish I, I was able to engage a diaphragm versus having that hand move in a box or a slate or something. So I totally, yeah. totally get that. Um, what about, you know, far as conditions? When you guys go out there, uh, what's your standard practice and stuff? Um, do you guys kind of go over the game plan and stuff, you know, let people know where you're going? What's the, what's kind of like how your, how your approach from begin to end of your hunt? Well, um, right away, like, we always got to set up when we're going to go hunting, where we're going to go hunting, let our parents know, let whoever owns the land, because if, like, we go and ask a farmer, hey, can we hunt your field? We notice there's a lot of geese in there, and you got to let them know when you're hunting, how long you're going to be out there. Got to make sure for that. Um, always have our phone on us. That's the main thing. I broke my phone. I was when snow goose hunting, so, yeah. <laughs> but um, always have to have that in case calls, but... It's just really just preparing and just letting them know where you're going. Right. And scouting does that a lot, too. you got to scout an area, I feel like, a lot before you can actually hunt it so you don't mess up something. Right. And, you know, you mentioned something, too. Like, you're hunting on uh, some private land. You'll coordinate with that farmer and stuff. How How is that in Minnesota far as, like, is that something that is very common to where, because I know back back in my day, you could go knock on someone's door and it was a casual conversation. And, and then, yeah, same thing what you, you shared. Um, I have yet to even do that here in North Carolina. Uh, there is some outlets you can use uh, to where you don't necessarily engage with a private owner directly. It's through, like, an app that you can use. But, you know, is that pretty common up in Minnesota that you can do that out in your area? Uh, it's kind of common. It's more common in, like, North and South Dakota because there is so many fields and so many areas. Like, when we went snow goose hunting, I bet we got permission from over 100 farmers to go hunt their fields. And that's the thing. When you're hunting, you, it's not going to go out well sometimes. So, like, I bet we asked, uh, yeah, over 100 hunters, and we only got two places that we got all those geese. In oh, those wow. Wow. It's crazy. And like everyone's super nice. They're like, yeah, just don't make a mess. Pick up your shells. It's they're really nice. Right. Well, that's really cool. And another opportunity and stuff. How much public land do you have up in Minnesota? Um, quite a few, but around our area, there's probably, there's a lot of walk and management areas mm-hmm. and, and state forest. And that's, a, yeah, there's quite a bit. So do you, now how far as like hunting uh, on those areas or even fishing, uh, is it a, uh, a permit thing? Is it, you know, something long as you have your license, you're good? Uh, is it a, like a donation thing? How does that operate up in your area? As long as you have your license, you're good. Right on. It's, 
like that, yeah. like that. What about special hunts out there? Uh, do you guys got some special hunts, a special game uh, that you have opportunities for that you might be looking at? Oh, um, yeah, bear hunting. Yeah, That's dude. Pretty- yeah, I'm going bear hunting this year. I'm going to work that. Oh, nice, yeah. yeah. Um, I've been putting in four years, still haven't got it, but my brother and my dad, um, they finally got their tags pulled, and every day we're just seeing bear everywhere. And, like, we really haven't had bear that much in this area, but there's a lot of bear now, so I'm looking forward to that opportunity and to film them hunts and just show everyone because I can't wait to do that. Yeah, I, I, I have my son and myself. We both pulled tags this year uh, because in North Carolina, you can just pay a fee and you can get a bear tag uh, and, and, you know, minimal fee. So uh, it's not as, as hard as it's not like a what am I looking, a lottery, if you will. But uh, I, yeah. I definitely want to – I was going to look at going elk hunting this year in uh, Idaho, but I think this year I want to focus more on my area, learn it a little bit more. I, I want to focus on bear hunt. I want to be a little bit more successful on the turkey side. And then uh, you know, I think next year I might focus on going elk hunting in Idaho. Uh, it's more cost-effective for me to go out to Idaho elk hunting and stuff. So far yeah, as like your your dream hunts, man. What about you? Were you guys, Alex and Joel? Maybe it's the same. Maybe it's different. What uh, were your dream hunts, man? Um, probably elk hunting. Yeah, it's for sure elk hunting. Okay, I'm gonna hook you guys up. Okay, there is a there are three dudes. All right, that uh, they're a little bit older than you, but they're kind of like you. They're buds. Uh, they are up tree outdoors. I don't know what what uh um episode they were on. Uh, but it, they were on one of the episodes of Route 16 Grind. You need to go back to that episode and listen to them. And you guys need to connect with those guys. Uh, they are very, you guys will get along great. Um, I, I really do feel and the age gap isn't much. Um, you should reach out to them and they, yeah, they hunt and fish everything and they have a very good YouTube channel, man. Um, so they, are just great group of guys i know they would help you out and give you some pointers and stuff but if you're looking to do elk hunting or something like that head out to colorado i mean there will be a great uh, great group of guys to link up with uh so uh I, what i'll do is i'll email you uh their you know contact info and stuff uh when we get done with the interview but uh they would be good man i think you guys would love to engage with those guys so what about let's shift gears a little bit moving off of hunting and fishing what about you guys wheel or anything you off-road you overland you, you know what, what do you guys um, do i used a dirt bike i bought a dirt bike a few years back and i was so hooked into it until I rolled that thing until it would, like, not give me anything. And I blew up the engine last year, and I'm trying to fix it up. But, yeah, we like mud in a lot, bringing forward. Oh, wow. Just going <laughs> oh, man, you were just, like, full throttle going for it, man, and all sorts of stuff, weren't you? <laughs> oh, man, I'm pretty sure there's more to that story there. Um, yeah, because, uh, that was one of the things that I, how I first progressed into it is, uh, my friends own a bunch of property out, uh, well, his grandparents own a bunch of property out in West Texas. And, uh, we used to go out wheeling out there and stuff like that. And then we just, you know, start with, uh, honestly, you know, uh, protecting the cows, shooting coyotes and stuff like that. Um, Oh, don't even say that. Yeah. We've been wanting to coyote forever. That is on our bucket list. And we've had... So many close calls, but like never a chance. And we want to shoot one so bad. Oh man. Yeah, they, we have. Uh, that's one of the thing too. I don't. You don't need uh, tags here for coyote. Um, I'm pretty sure. I gotta look again at the regulations, but pretty sure in most areas you can hunt them year round. Uh, 
pig you definitely can hunt at night i want to say coyote you can hunt at night even spotlight if you will with the you know uh assistant light i believe you can do electronic calls with coyote too um so there's a few things in this state that can do it yeah texas it's a free-for-all man like pigs coyote (laughs) yeah dude you're good (laughs) so um you know when you uh when you when you guys uh uh, when you guys go out far as like your gear for filming and, and all that, how do you, how do you get all that done? You just kind of like bring your phone and make it happen. Uh, have, cause I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure the first time you did it, it probably didn't go what you, how you thought and then what you progressed to, to where it is now and then where you want to go. Uh, like, uh, the guy 10 point outdoors we had on, he has a pretty good little setup too. Um, but how do you guys work all that in and just keep that, you know, hunting discipline on top of it? Um, it first started, we both bought GoPros and that's like, we use GoPros for airsoft and we're just like, let's just put it on our head when we go hunting. Why not? Just see what happens. And then we keep on progressing, buying new cameras, seeing what works. And then, yeah, so we always like the different angles. So we'll have the GoPro going and we'll have a camera going just everything and then yeah i'm gonna buy a new camera this summer which will definitely up our game for our instagram pictures and everything and i love documenting the hunt so i'm getting more into photography videography i love it i it's just my, it's a passion i i'll tell you man you need to hit up hit, uh, hit up the up tree outdoor guys they're, they're gonna take you to the next level um well hey as far as people what they want to connect with you follow you uh you know uh, learn from your journey uh, reach out to you what are all the places they can go to to connect with you all um we got our instagram it's just bro underscore survival no capitals and then our youtube which is just bro survival and then space studios we're going to make sure that those are in the show notes and then far as uh, anything that's kind of coming up are you guys going to be out is there anything like events that are going on that it's like someone runs into you and goes hey man i heard you on the route one six grind is there any place you're going to be at um no not really yeah i know it's got to be hard now with covid all the shows and stuff just being shut down but i'll tell you what guys um as the year uh, goes on and the season starts picking up and stuff uh, and that youtube youtube channel starts uh, progressing i'm more than happy to bring you guys back and we can talk some more and and uh yeah man you can guys keep your r3 effort and i'm telling you i'm inspired by your all story and it's awesome that you're doing that uh being great ambassadors to the sport and being great conservationists i'm I'm humbled by the fact that young men like you are out there pushing the agenda and being the example and please continue that and please keep in positive recruiting and you, you guys are somebody that absolutely i would want to connect, have my son connect with so i appreciate your efforts and everything that you're doing thank you for everything thanks for having us it was a great time yeah absolutely you guys are always welcome back so reach out all right. Yeah, thanks for your service, too. Hey, you bet, dude. Uh, hey, you know, thank you for supporting. That's really what it comes down to. You're worth fighting for, man. We'd like to feature your success in outdoor adventure, so shoot the picks over to us with a brief story. Route16.com and select contact. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X.com and select contact. On target. What's up, everybody? This is Ron with Riker USA coming to you with this week's on-target segment on the Route 16 Grind podcast. And uh want to talk about uh, situation awareness 
this goes right along with the theme of stuff that we have discussed in the past with your everyday carry, things that you can do to prepare yourself and your vehicle. But what about the things that you can't prepare for, uh, like being blindsided while you're driving from a careless or unassuming or driver who's not paying attention or texting and driving? And somebody who puts your life and the life of your family in jeopardy and at risk for their carelessness. So, last Friday, I was driving to DB Guns and Ammo here in Wilmington, North Carolina to pick up some products and pick up a rifle I had uh, them working on for me. And at an intersection, I'm in the left turning lane at a red light. I light turns green. I look right. I see cars in the, uh, on the right side of me are stopped. I put my signal on and go crossing two lanes of traffic through the intersection to go on to the other side following my left-hand turn. When I wasn't even completely through the turn, I was sideswiped on my right front side by a Jeep Compass. I drive a Ford F-150. Through years in the Marine Corps and government service post-retirement, I have been to no less than a dozen professional driving schools, driving courses, everything from how to hotwire a car, how to drive off-road, how to do maneuvers at high rates of speed, and also to include how to pit a vehicle. I recognized instantly, and it's funny, as, as I processed the chain of events after uh, it was over, obviously, I started evaluating myself and how I handled the situation because my three-year-old son and my dog were also in the car with me. Uh, all parties involved were were not hurt, would not hurt at all. But I started to evaluate what happened and how I reacted. And normally, if I was to pit somebody or I felt like I was getting pit, you can counter the move. But the moment I felt myself being hit, on the right front side, I actually countersteered away, trying to put, separate myself from that, that vehicle uh, and creating that space. And I put my truck up onto the median. That little bit that he hit me, uh, he actually almost still spun and flipped because he actually went over the median and then circled back around and parked in the gas station. Uh, so I'm not real big on closed circuit TV and that, you know, we are a, we are like the UK. We are a country under surveillance, somebody somewhere. And if, and if, if you didn't believe that in light of current events, what's happening all across the country, everybody has got their cell phones out recording, recording chaos instead of actually, you know, contributing and trying to stop chaos. But anyway, get back on point. I, um, was fortunate that that intersection had traffic cams also to include the car wash that was there. They have a great view of that intersection because sadly that intersection has uh, an accident there. Usually every other day is what the state, the state uh, trooper was telling me. Uh, also in the direction of traffic, the, the guy who hit me was coming. There was a safe light auto repair van stopped at the red light. Now, Side note, I have USAA, and they use SafeLight, and I have had to use them five times over the last 
you know, few years. They are phenomenal. They do great work. And so if you ever have any questions, I'm telling you, I'm like, I love SafeLight. And I'm glad that I have the access to them through my insurance. So anyway, this guy pulls over to where I am. He comes up and gives me his card and says, hey, man, I got the entire thing on my dash cam. And he's like, the guy 100% ran a red light and drove right into you. Um, he, e- he emailed me the footage, and it's great. The, and the cop went and reviewed the other the traffic cams and instantly saw that this guy did clearly ran a, a red light. And not just like yellow into red. It was red for a, a good, you know, five, five seconds. So, and didn't slow down. Probably hit me at about 50 miles an hour. Um, but I did everything right. I was at the light. My signal was on. I took an extra second to pause, scan, you know, still stop, look and listen and looked around and made my decision. Okay, I'm going to slowly accelerate into this intersection. No need to drive fast. And um, and I got blindsided. So as prepared as I was and as ready as I was, I still had somebody that did, you know, cause and effect and that that changed the, you know, my schedule, clear my schedule, change my schedule for the rest of the day. And, um, I like to think that I relied on training to help me not make the accident worse, you know, after initial impact and I, and I pulled over and stopped and assessed the vehicle and and priority. And my son actually thought it was funny. Uh, we spun around and then he was more concerned if the cops, uh, were going to take that guy to jail for hitting us, which I kind of thought was really funny. The mind of a three-year-old. And then, um, I, I physically observed uh, the the uh, people who hit me, they were out of their vehicle. They were fine. I just stayed in the vehicle and waited for law enforcement to show up. Um, so situation awareness. Be prepared as best as you can, but understand there's always going to be a breach in security. You're never going to have 360 degrees 24-7. So you have to be prepared and you have to have a plan. You have to be able to adjust. Uh, I will say that the damage to my truck wasn't wasn't that much, but it does require body work. I'm, I think I'm getting a whole new bumper and grill and headlight assembly. But other than that, um, my, I drove my truck to the collision center. Uh, so, uh, again, guys, head on a swivel. Head on a swivel. It's not just about shooting. It's about driving. Because the one thing I have realized since this pandemic hoax, hoax-demic, whatever you guys want to call it, whatever your feelings are on it, Ever since we've been on it, now they're 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 releasing us. They're giving us our freedoms back. I have noticed that people's heads are up their asses behind the steering wheel, and they're not on the road. Um, everybody's in a hurry. People are just driving recklessly and without a care in the world. And with with the current climate that we have going on in our country. It just it's making me slow down, give more time, plan more, give distance between cars. And really, you know, you're not going to fix stupid and you're not going to do it at 50 miles an hour going down the road. If someone cuts you off, they're recklessly driving, beep your horn, flip them off and then it's done. Let it go. Move on. Don't let it rent space in your head. It's not worth the energy. Get back to being observant. Get back to being situationally aware. Take care of yourself and your family. Okay, guys, that's it for this week. Stay safe and talk to you next week.
Want to support the show? How about becoming a Route 16 Grind Patreon today for as little as a buck a month? It's not just a contribution, but an investment that goes directly to the show. Help this podcast expand and grow. Check out the show notes for the links to our Patreon page. Hey, this is Nikki G. And I got to say, I never really had an interest in archery, but listen, you guys keep talking about it. it sounds like fun and it's piqued my interest a little bit. I think I'm going to go out to the store and uh, look at some bows, but I'm kind of scared to leave the house right now. I've developed a fear of speed bumps, but don't worry. I'm slowly getting over it. <laughs> All right, guys and girls, I'll chat you later. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Oh, man, I wonder if he has like a diary of these, a book, something. I got to know. Nikki G, you got to let me know what your secret is, man. (laughs) In the Rock, Mud and Dirt is brought to you by Warren Industries. At Warren, we pour our effort and our thirst for adventure into every product we make. You better believe American pride runs deep here in Clackamas, Oregon. Here, a small army of engineers, technicians, machinists, and assemblers design and refine worn products, bringing them as close to perfection as possible. Their work is backed up by legendary quality control that doesn't just stand up to rigid worn standards. It lives up to the toughest demands of the world's top vehicle manufacturers and military suppliers. How do we know? Because they've partnered with Warren for decades. This quest for peerless reliability, this worn difference will be around as long as Warren Industries is in business. At least another 70 years. Go prepared. Go Warren. Welcome to the Rock, Mud, and Dirt, the segment where I talk about the people, brands, products, and events from the off-road world. As trails are slowly opening up, and at least for now, this week we are going to talk about getting into off-roading. More specifically, I'm really going to be talking to the new owners of off-road capable vehicles who might be on the fence about hitting the trail. There are plenty of things to consider before you get rock, mud, and dirt under and in it. And yes, that's in it. So one of the things I I see a lot is you see someone that gets a very capable rig or they just see 4x4 capability or even all-wheel drive capability on their new vehicle. And they just have in their mind whatever that commercial was of that vehicle cresting that mountain or crossing that river or whatever the case may be. It's not saying, even though that might be the brand and potentially the trim of your vehicle, it's not saying that your vehicle can do that. There could have been some modifications done. There could have been some, a little bit of CGI. Uh, it could have been, you know, a lot more information to that scene than you knew. So let's just break it down easily of how I would look at it. You need to understand the vehicle first. That means what is actually what it can do. Um, What features does it have? Uh, Like specifically with Jeep, uh, Jeep Sport is a little bit different than a Jeep Rubicon package. A little bit different. Um, Also, you got to look at the fact of, hey, what type of, uh, what what shape is it in? Um, Is it a used vehicle? What type of maintenance has been done in the past? So you need to do a thorough inspection on this vehicle and understand that you probably should do some reading, maybe join some forums and start asking some people things that you can do. You need to know how to do basic maintenance on your vehicle. That's beyond just changing a tire and changing your oil. Things can happen, little boo-boos, little things that you might need to deal with while you're out on the trail. These are things that you can do if you join a forum. Hey, what are some considerations I should have? Many people, I could 
build an entire show on something that should be in your rig. There's plenty of things that you can look at as far as, uh, you know, items that you might need while you're on the trail. But this is kind of your homework. Um, there are a lot of different groups out there that will offer you this information and stuff. And there's some simple things. There's some complex things. There are affordable things. And there are some expensive things. But the big thing about this is understand the vehicle and understand that you need to have a vehicle, what I would call a vehicle first aid kit, a first aid kit for the vehicle. In addition, you got to look at yourself. Hey, what will you need while you're out there? So yes, absolutely a, a personal first aid kit, you know, maybe some water, maybe a little bit of food, just in case you get stuck out there. So maybe something to build a fire, maybe some shelter. So all these kind of like, you know, couple day, three day survival type of mindset out there. I know it sounds a little bit scary, but you just don't ever know. And it may not even be just for you. You might run into someone out there. That's one thing I think people need to understand is when you build into your rig, when you hit a trail, like me, I don't always just think, hey, what do I need? I always look at the aspect of, hey, what if I got to help recover somebody? What if I have to help someone? What if I got to stay overnight with somebody and help them out because their their rig is stuck on the trail? So there's all these things to kind of consider. So we talked about the vehicle. We talked a little about ourselves. Let's talk about the trail itself. Under no circumstance should you be wheeling alone. Okay, I am not going to lie. I've done it. Um, any wheeler out there has done it, and you're probably going to do it, even though I told you not to. But there's a tremendous amount of risk that you do. You just don't know what will happen. And I know you're excited to get that four by four capable vehicle out there and do some things, but what is your training at? Maybe you understand a little bit of the complexities of the vehicle and what it's capable of when your buddy's driving it, who probably may have a little bit more experience in an off-road realm. Okay. They are not you. And just being, just because you can drive doesn't mean that you're ready to start you know, cap and crest and stuff and rolling on some big boulders and coming down some 20 degree angles. There are things you have to consider. You have to be honest with your skill set. Start building into that. You might want to look at getting training. Do you understand how to do a, a safe recovery? Do you know how to use your recovery gear? Do you know how to use your high lift jack if you have it? One of the first things you see a lot of people buy is a high lift jack. That thing will kill you. And I mean that sincerely. That's not an exaggeration. That thing will kill you if you use it incorrectly. You need to know what you're doing with this stuff. If you're using a winch and it's a steel line and you don't dampen that thing, you don't put some weight on it and that cable snaps, you put anyone and yourself in danger and it could cause substantial damage to the vehicle itself and things around it. So there's all these type of considerations you have to look at before you got on trail. Be honest with your skill. Be honest with what the vehicle is capable of. And even as you start building up skill, try not to get too overconfident. It's There is no problem pushing yourself. I highly encourage it. Just make sure you have what I would call a group with you. So that brings up to my next part. Start integrating with other people. Having just like your set group, that's okay, but you might want to get exposed to other groups, other people, other events, because they see things differently. They'll show you different techniques, and sharing those ideas is a big thing. And then on top of it, you're part of another community. So you need to look at the vehicle. You need to look at what's inside the vehicle and those capabilities and what I call the vehicle first aid kit. You need to look at yourself, being able to maintain yourself, maybe maintain somebody else with that. You got to know your skill sets. Um, you absolutely need to know how to use the gear. You need to know 
uh, who the people are out there and you should probably get a support network. And absolutely, just because you ride this one trail and how the rules and regulations on that one trail are, it doesn't mean it's the same for a private park or a different uh, trail that you might go on. You need to know the rules for each one of those. And there are also some common courtesies that people will generally pass on and sometimes they're regional about, hey, how many drivers do you have? You point a finger, first guy does this, last guy does that. So there's some things that you may want to learn and understand. All that being said, if you're like, man, you just overwhelming, well, check it out. Get on a form. Look at some forums, you know, off-road forums, whatever the case may be in your area. Look at joining into that trail system that's out there. Go find one. Just go be an observer. Ask someone that you, hey, can I go ride with you sometime? There is no group I've ever wheeled with that never could find a seat for someone that was looking for it. Hey, man, I really want to go on a trail, but I'm just not ready to drive my rig on that yet. Hey, no problem. Let's put you over here. And they'll put you in a place where you're actually going to learn. Go Adventure! This week on Go Adventure, I had a great interview with Chris from Adventure Centric. How an off-road adventure build turned into a SEMA rig. Welcome to the Go Adventuring segment. And for this episode, we have a fantastic guest, Chris from Adventure Centric. Hey, man, Chris, welcome to the Route 16 Grind, man. Hey, Brian, thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. Yeah, dude. So I really appreciate. So we were talking back and forth, uh, trying to make this happen. Uh, just the whole, you know, world on fire, COVID, everything else. And then we were able to catch back up and sync back up. And so I'm really glad that we're able to do this. So Chris, just to you know, get to it. Hey, tell us a little about yourself and adventure centric. All right, Brian. My name is Chris Wood. My wife is Shauna. Our daughter, Valentina, is 12. We live up in the Pacific Northwest. I work for the railroad and Shauna is a stay at home mom. So far as like, uh, you know, what was the energy? What was the thing that kind of motivated you that said, you know what? Hey, we want to go out and adventure. And your adventure pretty much is exploring, camping, overlanding. What was your, what drove you to do that? First sit at home on the couch and watch a bunch of TV shows. Well, what's funny is that's kind of how it started. I was watching a bunch of YouTube channels and watching all these guys go out there and, and do um, camping, extended camping and exploring. And Shauna, the wife, she said she wanted a tent for the backyard. All right. And I said, okay. She was just going to go down to Walmart and grab a tent. I said, well, let me, let me research and, and get you a good quality tent, even though it was just for the backyard at the time. And then that led me down the rabbit hole. I went all the way up through the ladder of all the different types of tents. And then said, well, you know, we need more than just a tent. We need a vehicle. So I started looking at vehicles and originally we we're going to build a Jeep out. I started uh, saving money, stashing that away. One thing led to another. I dialed back my focus from just the United States, started looking at other countries where people were doing extended long-term traveling, vehicle-based, vehicle-dependent, Australia, South Africa, those types of locations. Right. And realized that nobody, nobody was driving Jeeps. They were all driving Land Cruisers, some type of Toyota based. That really piqued my interest. So I started researching those. We ended up with a 2016 Toyota Land Cruiser. Yeah. So what was about the time frame all this kind of happened? Was it a couple years ago? Was it like five years ago? When was the time frame that this kind of all started? About three years ago is when I start, first started doing the research and I designed it over about nine months. Now, granted, at the time, there was no 2016 or newer 200 series Land Cruisers really built out to the extent we wanted here in the States. I made a lot of contacts across the seas in different countries, kind of picking their brain of what worked, what didn't work, what companies were uh, proven in the field. And 
that's kind of how we pieced it all together. It was a long process. So nine months of development, nine months of design and about six months of actual build time. Yeah, that's quite uh, ambition. And, you know, the thing about it, too, I think our listeners need to understand is this isn't just for you. This vehicle is for, for you and your wife, right? So, and also, was it anybody else involved in that as far as like that what you were thinking for space? No, it was just the three of us. And our, our other daughter, she's already moved out. She's 22. Okay. And we thought that she might come with us, but she's doing her own thing as 22-year-olds do. And we just needed to get out. Sean and I used to travel a lot when we were younger and newlyweds. We used to just jump in the car and go out for days at a time. So this was already kind of in our DNA and our blood. We just wanted something that was more sustainable out of a vehicle for days, if not weeks at a time. Yeah, and I want to make sure to mention that because uh, a lot of listeners uh, might remember where Dan Greck, he traveled all the way from Alaska, all the way to the down the coast of uh, South America. And I think his original vehicle was a, a TJ. And then he just recently completed, circumnavigated uh, the continent of Africa in three years uh, in a JKU. But he was by himself, and uh, he had a pretty good setup, and and but it wasn't like a, a lot of room. So when you got three people into the mix now, uh, that's a little bit different. So I just want to make sure to make sh- this was something that was you were looking at how many people you had, what vehicle was going to measure that, and then on top of it, you want to make sure that this was something more than just a weekend excursion. You were looking to like literally like, hey, we might go take a bold big trip. Now speaking of trips, tell us about one. Of those big bold trips that you did well so when the vehicle was was finished uh, i had some builders do it and we had to bring in parts from all over the different countries and they called up and said hey do you realize what you have here and i said well yeah i have a family vehicle that i've always wanted and they said no no this is catching attention from Australia and South Africa and Dubai, and they want to know what the heck we built because nobody worldwide had even built out anything to this extent. And so the very first trip, literally two weeks after it came out of the shop, was down to Flagstaff, Arizona to participate in the James Baroud booth at Overland Expo West. Oh, nice. So when you went out there, you must have had a lot of people just eyeballing, taking pictures then. There were quite a few, but because it was so new, I had a lot of people coming up saying that's a really nice forerunner. They didn't realize that it was a land cruiser. The people that knew, they didn't go away. They came back all three days and kind of hung out. I, I don't doubt it. And they probably sourced you too. Hey, where'd you get this part? Where'd you get that part, right? Oh, yeah. And it was kind of hard to tell them exactly like what the contacts were or where, where to purchase those those modifications for the vehicle because like the rain guards or Toyota OEM Land Cruiser rain guards, I had to buy those from Dubai. The bumpers, although they're ARB and ARBs available here in the States, at the time it wasn't for this particular year of Land Cruiser, so I had to bring them in from Australia. The James Baroud tent had to come from Portugal. I mean, there's just oh, wow. a mishmash of all these different countries. So it's safe to say that this was something that uh, was an investment as much as it was uh, uh, something that you wanted to put together. Uh, I, I can, I'm just hearing dollar signs, ching, 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 going across when you're talking about just in the sense of the part plus the shipping. So you're, you're absolutely right. It was expensive to do, um, but Sean and I had went to an RV show and we were going to buy an RV. And um, we yeah. needed to go out. Because working for the railroad, I got caught up in, in that whole lifestyle. I was gone um, about half of the time, half of the year, I, I'm gone. So I needed to start building memories for our 12-year-old daughter and going out and doing something. 
outside and not just uh, you know being wrapped up in work. Right. So anyways, we went to an RV, we went to an RV show. And we looked at all these beautiful RVs, and Shauna said, "If we buy one of these motorhomes, we're going to end up going to the coast. You're going to sit inside and watch movies. Valentine's going to sit there and, and play PlayStation, and I'm going to be out on the beach. We need to build something that we can live out of instead of live inside." That is on his vacations. And so I looked at what I had stacked away for retirement and I just talked to Sean and I said, either we do something now with some of this retirement money, or we wait until I retire and maybe not want to even be, you know, doing this kind of explore, exploring right. and, and uh, expedition vehicle stuff. So we cashed some stuff out and built it. I, I loved how she said that too, uh, far as like, Hey, it's not something basically you just go and reside. It, essentially it's, yeah. RVs are like little, little houses, little apartments, if you will. And she was looking for the full experience and ensuring that you had that and a great observation. And, uh, just to <laughs> quote from Sir William goes, he, I remember him telling me cause he's obviously going on his RV adventure right now. And, uh, he was like, man, these things are pieces of crap. They're always breaking. You always got to be fixing it. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, like you know what, uh, it's probably not a bad way uh, to go about it. So I, I, that is uh, hats off to Shauna on that and and seeing all that. It's probably a better investment in the way that you all went about it. Um, what do you think are some things you learned the hard way when you did this build? I oh the hard way. Um, I didn't expect the amount of tension that was. <laughs> it sounds kind of vain. I didn't expect the amount of tension that it was going to get. I, for us, it was just a vehicle that I had dreamt of building and we built it. It wasn't to be in any events. It wasn't to participate in any shows. It wasn't a vanity build, right? It was a a dream build. Yeah. No, Brian didn't. As a matter of fact, when I was down there at Expo West, this guy came up to me and he said, Oh, do you have an Instagram account? And I said, no, but do you have a YouTube? And I said, no. And he said, do you have any cards? And I kind of looked at him and I handed him one of my railroad cards and he looked at me funny. He goes, Oh no, you need to get this up online. People need to see this. Right. So it was just for our <laughs> family to go use, you know? Oh. And so that was one of the hardest things. I mean, we've literally gone down the freeway and had people in our blind spot taking videos, you know, they'll stop us at gas stations, which is fun. It's cool. Um, but it draws a lot of attention. Right, right, right. Especially when you just kind of want to go out there and, you know, the whole point is to get out and to uh, enjoy uh, your time uh, as a family. So it it does come with those type of things as well. I I totally get that. And I I understand with that. Um, The the things that you did right. What about the things you did right? The research before we even dropped a penny on the build, actually contacting the companies, researching their history, because there's a lot of really cool people building a lot of really cool modifications for vehicles right now. But when you're building an expedition style vehicle where you are dependent on every single piece and component on that vehicle to get you there and back, and a lot of times there's no cell coverage. I mean, we carry a satellite uh, communicator with us so we can text out in case we get in trouble. But you know, Bob that lives down the street that's starting to weld bumpers in his garage might look better than the, any bumper I've ever seen before, but hasn't been proven in the field. Right. Hasn't gone a hundred miles down washboard roads and is not going to fall apart. So that was the, the design and the research for the, for the development part of it before the build was key to the success of, of the, um, 
reliability. So you are very focused on documented performance and longevity with the gear that you're putting on. And I loved how you, when you were talking about, when you originally thought about it, you went and researched, you know, you went to like places like Australia and researched what they were doing down there for people that go out for weeks at a time on their vehicles. And it's kind of like a normal thing. And uh, I, I just love that. And, you know, you saying research, I don't think we do that enough. I think sometimes in the, this type of community, some we rely too much on personal contacts. Yeah, hey, hey, John said it was good to go. I'm just going to roll with that. When you're looking to build an enduring vehicle, you're going to be in it, potentially family members. I'm with you. I want to go that extra mile. Just like when you're like, hey, I just want to start with a tent, but you're going to do the research. I'm built the same way. I, I want the right thing, not just something. So that is that's pretty awesome that you shared that. And I think that's something that's going to resonate with someone that might be interested in starting this or potentially someone that just got into the game of overlanding and expedition type of stuff uh, they might look at. Now, you mentioned a satellite phone. What about ham radio? You thought about that or are you a ham operator? So I'm not a ham operator yet. In the vehicle itself right now, we're running a tablet with all the navigation apps on it, a CB, an F, uh, GMRS, FMRS. Okay. And the saddle and the satellite. The one thing, literally the one thing I'm missing is the ham. I know a lot of people out, use it out there on the trail. Um, some of them have licenses, some of them don't. It's just a piece that I haven't, haven't, uh, yeah, it's, it's the, pretty, the, uh, there, it, I mean, I have mine and it, if you just go and commit yourself to a little bit of studying, you'll, you'll be fine. And for this type of stuff, uh, you know, you'll, you'll be fine with the initial license, uh, but it is, it brings a different level to you, uh, when you're out there. Cause you have those days, you're just looking at the stars and, you know, you get on the radio and you could be talking to someone halfway across the world kind of thing, kind of experience. And it's kind of neat, uh, to bring into that environment. And on top of it, just the whole safety factor of it, like it gives you another means of communication. And when things just kind of potentially go to a different direction and you need, uh, some assistance. What's funny though is you build, not you, but people in general build these type of vehicles to go way into the into the forest or way out into the desert to go explore off the beaten path where there's nobody at but yet then we bring all these communication devices like i have the Wii boost on the back of the vehicle so it boosts the cell phone but here i am trying to get away from everybody yet i can still text people it's pretty funny but it really it is just for emergency purposes yeah anyway. safety first i mean uh that's how i look at it and it's too easy to turn that off too you know and on top of it when oh, it's not really absolutely. visual like we're very visual type of people you know what i'm saying like you know the tv mm-hmm. on the ground like when this there's no visual it's a little bit different uh, and on top of it too when you're looking at establishing those type of communications uh that type of connection there's a little bit of work involved it's not always just turn the radio on and you're talking hundreds of miles away you you know, you might have to build that antenna. You might have to tweak some things. You might have to modify your equipment, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a little work, but there's a lot of learning involved with it too. You know, Brian, the vehicle that we built is our dream vehicle and it's to the extreme. But one thing that, that your listeners and everybody has to know is that you don't need all this gear to go out and enjoy the outdoors. We have friends who have stock vehicles, not even four-wheel drive. They have a canvas tent or they'll put a little air mattress in the back of their truck and they go out for a weekend with us and they have just as much fun and cook just as good food and have great stories around a campfire and bring back stories from that camping adventure as we do in our vehicle. So if you're thinking about going out there and doing this, just need the basics to keep your perishables cold and cold beer and that's it. 
with everything going on with this COVID and who knows, an asteroid next week, who knows? I mean, do you guys have any plans for any future trips or attending some major events? It's interesting you ask that. Um, so this year was jam-packed full of all the all the shows. There was Expo West down in Flagstaff. There was a Northwest Overland Rally because now our vehicle is in the James Brood booth at all these events. We did SEMA last year. They want us to do the SEMA car show in Las Vegas again this year. And I was getting kind of stressed, Brian, because I only have so much vacation as a working man. All these shows were sucking up all my vacation, so it didn't leave a lot of time to go out and really do what we wanted to do with this vehicle when we initially built it. Right. So with with all these crises going on, they canceled all those shows. And as selfish as it may sound, I'm kind of glad it happened. No, I can dig it. In the aspect that that they canceled all the shows, and now we have all these big trips planned. So we've kind of rolled back to, you know, uh, step number one, where we wanted to just go out and enjoy the vehicle. Yeah, I mean, I, I tell you, when I started at Route One Six uh, Off Road, uh, was uh, the original brand. It, you know, for the first couple of years, I was going, 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 and then I realized, like, I had to kind of reset myself. Like, what am I doing here? I'm losing the joy of why I created this. And there are so many other things that I enjoy too, that I was missing out on. Uh, so I totally understand that circle back. I mean, those things are fun. They're enjoyable. And just like you're on this podcast, you want to share your story. You want to share information. You want to help each, uh, other people out, but it's so important that you remember to care for yourself and, and keep feeding the joy of why you're doing it. Uh, so, and, and not, uh, overdo it to a sense where you no longer enjoy it um because i mean that's something everyone picks up on man so i totally understand that and i get that and i'm glad that you have that time for you your family too uh because really i mean you built it for your enjoyment and that's that's pretty awesome um far as uh tread lightly you guys tread lightly uh, what are some things that our listeners can capture from you from your adventures and the importance of tread lightly so we make sure that we always pack out whatever we pack in and if we're at a campground short of, you know, toilet paper laying around on the ground, if there's any other trash, it's burnable, we'll burn it in the campfire. Just kind of clean up the area that we're in, try to leave it better than we, than we found it. I think that's really the key, uh, especially now with everybody starting to get out of their homes after the, the lockdown. There's just mass droves of humanity that's just out there in the forest, out there in the deserts, because um, they're starved for you know fresh air right and what we're seeing is we're seeing a lot of trash being left behind and it's sickening so, yeah it's public you know, land and public needs to take care of it and that's us i mean that's we're managers of that land and you know we use it we need to care for it i'm down with that for sure absolutely now, do you uh do you hunt and fish are you a shauna hunting fish so Shauna was a huge fisherwoman. As a matter of fact, <laughs> the river that runs right through our town, they fly in from all around the United States, and they'll pull out 60-pound salmon, 60-pound, 70-pound steelhead out of this thing. And she right was down on. there on that river. Oh, yeah, she was on that river every single day to the point to where I finally told her she had to pick up another hobby because I just couldn't eat any more salmon. I, just, <laughs> <laughs> I OD'd on the fish, Brian. So <laughs> as far as the hunting goes, I was raised competitively shooting. Uh, all my summers were spent back at Quantico, Virginia, and Camp Perry, Ohio for the military and civilian matches. I never really trans like transferred that over to the hunting until we got up here to the Pacific Northwest and we go elk hunting. I've been probably four or five times, literally, you know, when you see these guys with these big elk 
camps yeah. and they're out there for two weeks and roughing it. All we have to do, because we live, our backyard is the national forest right here. We'll just go up, drop an elk off of a, lo- off of a, a logging road and be home by four o'clock. All right, man. So this season, I'm going to pull tags and come visit you. <laughs> come on. I'll get you in one real quick. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So far as where people can find you, uh, you, you know, they can get more of your story, follow you. Where's all those places on social uh, apps and stuff where they can find you and follow you guys? Really, Brian, the main one is Instagram. It's just adventure centric, all one word. We did open up a YouTube channel and I have all this camera gear. I'm actually sitting on about six terabytes of of footage video footage from all these trips but i just yeah i just haven't sat down and edited it all out and but instagram is where you can uh you can get a hold of me okay i'll make sure to put that in the show notes everybody uh hey it was so great to have you on here man i really appreciate it and uh, when you get that you channel up and running we'll make sure to bring you back we'll talk about it some more thanks brian when i get out to the east coast we're gonna hang out man absolutely man doors always open be great to see y'all all All right thank you brother good to talk to you Since 1989, Tuffy Security Products has been the industry leader in automotive security. Tuffy has a variety of vehicle-specific consoles, drawers, and lockboxes. Tuffy manufacturers adventure-ready organization and security for your Jeep, truck, or SUV. Visit TuffyProducts.com and use special offer code GRIND to save 10% on your order. The Cup of Joe segment is brought to you by C-State Coffee. Have you ever actually drank good coffee? Stop wasting your money on old, stale coffee from the store and make the switch to C-State Coffee. C-State Coffee is a United States Marine Corps veteran-owned and operated roastery selling premium coffee that's roasted on order and delivered fresh to you. Order your coffee today at www.cstatecoffee.com. And I'm pretty excited about that bill being passed. Uh, Chuck actually hit me up uh, when the news went out. He sent me a message. He's like, yeah. But there's there's a lot of work still to do with that, man, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it, you know, it's <laughs> it took another step. But I think that's why we wanted to bring it up, folks, just was to reiterate, you know, hey, this is how, you know, surmountable this can be for, you know, our future in the outdoors going forward and, you know, why you should get on board with supporting it. So. You know, I've been I've been following it with you, um, you know, just trying to make sure that thing gets, you know, saw through because it, it could definitely be hugely beneficial, not only for us, but for our kids to reap the benefits. Well, a lot, as long as they maintain the integrity of it, like I said last show, I'm all about a if they're using, pri- uh, you know, public land uh, to extract these resources um, and there's a monetary value to that that money should be going back into that uh same public land Uh, did i say private i meant public and you know 900 million dollars of dedicated funding to land and water conservation fund dude that's that's a huge deal so i'm pretty Mm -hmm. excited about that everybody contact your congresswoman congressman in your congressional district and let them know how you feel about this and remember this takes care of not just hunters fishermen and whatnot this, I mean, I didn't learn. I learned this when we started this podcast. Like, I didn't know it provided funding for stuff like that park that might be sitting in in downtown, um, baseball park that maybe the town from which reached out to federal government for funding for and uh, some uh, grants and stuff. So, this this right here is not just for the trails and the all that kind of stuff. And 
the hunting areas. It's also for urban centers. So it affects you as well. Just remember that these parks and everything, that funding's kind of tied to that. So definitely get out there, uh, get activated, contact your congressman, congresswoman with that. And hey, what about bro survival? I tell you, the, those two guys, Ethan, I truly humbled talking to, you know, 15 and 16 year old young men uh, out there and enjoying, you know, just doing what they enjoy uh, hunting and fishing and they are bringing their friends and getting them involved. And I was just, wow, man, I, I tell you, you all definitely need to go out click, uh, click on their link after this show and start following them on Instagram and follow their YouTube page. Uh, our next generation of hunters are going to be very secure. We got young men like that out there. And I was just impressed, uh, with these guys. Um, humbled by their experiences and whatnot hey what i'm going to shift gears real quick because I, I wanted to actually talk we did, so ethan and i didn't really do much chit chatting after these segments because we just wanted to spend a lot of time in the cup with joe but dude that uh that thing from uh, uh instructor one you know ron talking about situational awareness uh the that was pretty interesting man yeah i mean you never know what what or when anything could happen to you. And I, I didn't realize, you know, the, when he was listening to his story, I was like, Oh, you know, okay. <laughs> I didn't realize he was actually going to get hit, you know? And then it, obviously we align a lot with, you know, some of the courses and military training aspect of it and how to handle those situations. So I always get a big kick out of that. But then I realized that like a lot of people might not, they might not even know what a pit is and, and, and how to counter it, you know, to better, you know, deescalate the situation and not actually get, you know, a, debilitating t-bone accident so you know he brought a lot of good information there to where you can even even in the most crappy of situations you can just being aware and being um you know educated in those day-to-day instances can make a huge difference in your you know lifely success rate I like the fact that he actually did a self-assessment after everything happened, everything was safe. Um, he did a, a self-assessment. Hey, did I handle that right? And if you really think about that, we stress that just in, in what we do. We do it when we go off-roading. Uh, we, we go out there. We do a, a driver's brief in the beginning. We come off the trail. We get back together, and we do kind of a debrief. And some of them are more prettier than others. Uh, but same thing with the hunting. Like, I can tell you right now, like, that's something I did with my son like hey you know what this is what we did do a review of our day what things could we improve what days could we you know could we done better what things did we do right you know etc 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 and i just loved how he brought that out and just the reality that you can't always be a hundred percent alert a hundred percent of the time is you'll be exhausted and you you probably aren't going to be functional and there's only so much of that you can handle uh you know so yeah i really appreciate you bringing that out uh, there ron with a personal experience like that and you know something that our our our, uh, listeners can benefit from and uh you know in the rock mud and dirt i know someone's going to probably say uh well why don't you give us like the gear that's in your your jeep and stuff well, the reason why is I really want you to, it's kind of homework. It's kind of the reason why. Um, one of the ways, because for, like for me, going out and actually getting myself, forcing myself to educate myself 
was helpful because everybody has their top five list or top 10 list and like, oh, you need this. Oh, you need that. Well, they feel that way because of their setup, their experience level. Um, maybe they're just promoting it. Maybe, you know, there's plenty of people out there with like, you know, $100,000 rigs and they got all this wonderful stuff and don't know how to use half of it. Um, and they're just going to promote whatever they want to influence. Well, Hey, you actually need to know how to use that stuff and find out, you know, why people use it and maybe it won't work for you. I'll be, I'll give you a great example. I'll give you one. I don't like all those boards that are out there. Those flat boards. I don't like any of them. I, that's, I really do like the traction jack. I like it folding up. I, it, and it has been extremely successful for my situations and everything I use it for. I pulled my Jeep off, uh, in a, like a really into a deep ditch, pull it out with the help of that traction jack, um, pulled out a, a FedEx truck. I don't think, I think I shared it out on, on one of these shows, you know, recent, uh, a couple months ago, but that's not, there's other people who don't like that setup. So that's why I'm not going to give you a, top 10, top five list. I might throw some stink. Hey, this is cool. That's cool. Whatever. But if you really, really want to get out there and get educated, you need to get informed. You need to go out and find those sources, those solid sources. And it's not just getting a recommendation. It's finding out the why behind it and then figuring out, hey, does this work for me? So that's one of the reasons why during that segment, you're just not going to hear me rattle off all this list and a bunch of promo for a bunch of you know cool gear. I want you to go find the gear for your rig and the things that work for you. And if you need help building into that, you can contact me. No problem. Too easy. Um, you know, like I have a Jeep. Ethan, you got a big old freaking, I don't know, tractor or something. <laughs> You'd be nice to that Duramax. Good God, dude. That thing's like huge. So, I mean, just just between us, uh, you know, if you, it's a total different setup. And if, if I would come to you and say, oh, man, you always need this one piece of gear. Heck, that thing might not even work for your truck. So, right. You know, I mean, I guess there's a lot of crossover with like, you know, how I, I wanted to talk winches with you or, you know, snatch blocks and, you know, weighted blankets and things like that. But as far as like mission effectiveness to be off roading, you know, whether it's getting to that hunting spot or getting to, through your favorite trail to go overlanding for a camping trip or something, you know, like different uh, boards and stuff like that would better benefit different rigs so it, it is extremely important to be not only informed of what products are out there but what products are applicable to your you know your skill set number one but your your rig and your gear number two yeah but yeah just uh i just want you guys to know you can always hit me up I'm more than happy to help you but please go out there and the other thing get with a group get with some people go meet some people if there's ever a time where we should be connecting with people it's right now uh six feet away from everybody though apparently right six feet <laughs> elbow bumps now we can't even fist bump anymore we gotta do elbow bumps now <laughs> goodness gracious <laughs> and uh you know chris from adventure centric an amazing story like literally just a great idea turned into a well, I, I he a, i'll be straight with you i have no idea what he invested into that rig but i'm very sure it was not um cheap uh given you know like he said in the interview is getting apart from here getting apart from there uh there's a lot of uniqueness and you know he, they were just looking something for them for him and his wife and uh one of his daughters to travel around and enjoy the outdoors and it turned in, into something much bigger because of how much attention it was getting in all these communities because he if there is a guy that actually done research on this stuff, it's definitely Chris. And just listening to that interview is probably how you can approach it. And he was talking to people. He's like, 
in Australia and different places in the world based off of their use and experience with that specific rig and then finding parts and stuff. Um, just, I was uh, just amazed by his whole story. So you have all these people that are going out there trying to be influencers and, you know, they build this magnet, you know, rig and uh, you know, these guys that have, you know, differently, uh, they just started like communicate when people as they were building it and they just got so much attention and stuff, but it's a beautiful uh, rig and they have a great store. They got a great uh, Instagram channel and they also have a store. Uh, I think it's hosted at Amazon. So check them out. They'll be in the show notes and, and all that stuff. But yeah, man, I, I was super happy about this week's show. I mean, I'm not happy about every week's show, but um, I think we had two amazing interviews, two great people that came on. And, uh, you know, we're going to keep on doing that for you guys. I uh, really appreciate all the support that you provide us and stuff. Um, what else? What am I missing, dude? I'm missing some. Hey, uh, the right. Factor 55 stuff, dude. Y'all need to get on it, dude. We got some free stuff waiting to be snatched up. So we got the uh, My Worst Recovery giveaway going on, right? That's right. My put- Worst Recovery. Hashtag My Worst Recovery. The uh, All you need to do, this is the big thing. Would love, and I'll be honest with you, it doesn't necessarily need to be a, a fully truthful. It just needs to be entertaining. Your story needs to be entertaining, and that's really it. Uh, I'm not saying, but it also needs to be safe, too. Don't be giving out some bump scoot where someone's going to try something. and <laughs> No, don't do that. But essentially, just tell us your story. Hey, my worst recovery. And uh, we would love to see an image of that. Uh, maybe you got a video. Maybe you just want to call the hotline. However you want to you know, push that out there. You definitely need to get out on social media and put something out there with a hashtag my worst recovery. Um, and then we're going to, you know, we're getting noticed with that. And, you know, you have an opportunity to win a Factor 55 Hoss Fairlead 1.0, a Flat Leak E, and a Flat Link uh, Rope Guard. And, you know, just a reminder, Patreons, you guys are already uh, entered, depending on your level. Um, your, it depends how many entries you are. So definitely want to check that out. If you guys are, you want to get behind the Route 16 grind and help us grow this show, Patreon's a great way to do that. Uh, we use it all for like promotion and doing things like that. And obviously it helps produce the show that, you know, this obviously costs money to, to put out here. Uh, so that helps us reduce the costs and whatnot. On top of it, it helps us potentially get more stuff for you. Um, you can, if you're, if uh, along with being a Patreon, you could leave us a review on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts or even YouTube, and you get an entry. And just again, you got to make sure to put that hashtag my worst recovery. Okay. Make sure to put that on there. And so we get that scene. And you can earn two entries, simply two entries uh, following Route 16 and Fat 55 on Instagram and Facebook. So guess what? All you followers, you get an entry. What's <laughs> up? Recognize. So get your friends and whatnot. Um, you get three entries for posting a picture with a text, photos, audio, video with the hashtag right. my worst recovery. I mean, you literally have so many ways to get some entries in here because we do. We, we, we would love to get you that, uh, gear and remember too. And there's some more ways to do it. We have it in our notes, but if you already have this kind of stuff, factor D five, uh, has said like, Hey, no problem. We'll modify the, uh, you know, what you win based off of, do you already have these type of things? You already have a shackle. You already have your freaking fair lead. Um, you don't need the rope guard, whatever the case may be. They'll modify, uh, it with you. And you work that out with Fat 55. 
And this goes on to the end of the month, and we'll make sure to announce the winner no later than 30 June of uh, this year. Um, and if we get a, a really good uh, uh, action there, you know, you guys put some creative stuff out there, you and your buddy, whatever, their account, your account. Hey, I'm more than happy to do some, uh, you know, some uh, honorable mention prizes, but you got to get out there and you got to do it and you got to get others to do it. It's the only way that this, that's going to happen. So right. make sure. 12 days. Yeah, man. Days. I, I want to see some entertaining stuff. That's really it. Uh, with all this craziness going on in the world. <laughs> That's why uh, we're doing this. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I want to be entertained. Uh, I really do. And I want all the followers to be entertained. I want our listeners to be entertained. I want to see some positive stuff and, and everything. And then on top of it, it, you know, for for you guys that are, are going to take this a little bit more seriously, I have no problem you putting out there things that we can all learn from, things we haven't considered. More than happy. I see all these YouTubers out there giving their their points on how to do this safely and that safely. Hey, man, go ahead. Put My Worst Recovery on there and and talk about it and things that we can do better in order to make it safer. And, and you know, maybe you want to tell us how we don't get in those situations, too. So, yeah, <laughs> that's that's it. But, um, but, yeah, dude, I'm really excited about that. I'm glad we can do it. And we got some more stuff that we want to give away this summer. So this will be the first giveaway of the summer, and we're going to keep on doing that. So I'm super excited about that. I know that, you know, Ethan and I both have been working with uh, some groups and uh, brands to get you some cool stuff. So jump in, get in there, follow us, share us, put a review, give us some five stars, uh, help us push that up so we can get these brands in here. Um, what else, man? We had something else going on. I think you got something big. Oh, dude. Yeah. So because you guys are so awesome, our listeners, news. so you know that we bring people on and we hit up uh, people for interviews and stuff. And, uh, you know, one of the things I want to bring to you is, yes, we have some big interviews. Not saying the last ones haven't big. We love every interview. We love every person that's come on. Uh, but we have some people in here that, you know, kind of have a little bit of national attention that we're going to be bringing say, on the think, show. Think big on the national level. <laughs> yeah. So pretty excited about this, that we were one of the podcasts to be selected. And I'll talk about that when we get there. But um, one of the things we got going on in the next few weeks, it, it includes a couple of badass ladies. So, ladies, we, we got some some uh, heavy hitters coming on. Uh, we have a professional survivalist, hunter guide, an outdoor adventurer who was on season six of Alone. The contestant was Michelle Ann Wahlberg, and she's going to be on. And we also potentially have the first Madam President. Yes, you heard that. Potentially the first Madam President, Libertarian Party candidate Joe Jurgensen. She's going to be coming on in a couple of weeks, hopefully. Uh, we just got a couple things to work out, but yeah, we're we're there. And then later in the month, next month in July, we have the Libertarian Party vice presidential candidate, Spike Cohen, dropping in. And now, we're going to do our best to let the, not let this go to our head. I think it's too late, though. <laughs> Definitely too late. Dude, I'm <laughs> I'm super stoked. Uh, so I'll, like M- Michelle, first and foremost, I don't know if you guys have watched alone. Um, I literally don't like watching too much TV. I got sucked into it. I, I was blown away and I'll, I don't, and I really don't want to go down this path because I know some of it will probably come out in the interview, but if you've never been miserable 
like really miserable, I don't think you'll get it. To be honest with you, like you'll look at it and go, oh, that's not so bad. And you'll see some of the effects of some of this stuff in your very warm area with food in your belly and you're able to drink water and, you know, sleep on a nice place and stuff. But I really don't. They had some amazing people on there and Michelle, total badass. Uh, yeah, she's awesome. And I'm, I'm excited to have her on and her to share a little bit of her story and also share what she's got going on right now. Um, it, it, she's got an amazing Instagram page and you guys should be following her too. But, uh, yeah, dude, dang, uh, Joe Jurgensen, man. I'm, I'm yeah, freaking I, super stoked. <laughs> when you, when you called me and told me, you know, that that could be a go and I was like, whoa. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. So the story behind that was, uh, so I contacted their campaign and, uh, I got a call, I got a call back and they're, you know, we talked it over. I'm not going to give you all the details and stuff, but, but, uh, essentially, uh, you know, they were very, uh, happy to come on and, and, uh, a lot of it has to do with you all, our listeners and the, you know, people that we're communicating with on top of the things we share on here that are important to us that at times don't get a lot of attention. And we want to make sure that those things uh, do get some attention, at least with one of the candidates. And I'm excited for, you know, Dr. Jurgensen to come on and, and spend a little time with us and then Spike Cohen. So just to kind of give you a heads up, I'm not sure exactly. I gave her, I gave her some things that I, I would like to talk about far as, or at least her campaign, some things I would like to talk about. We'll see how it goes from there, but it's really going to be focused on the outdoors ish kind of thing, activities and whatnot. Public land kind of is the goal there. And then for uh, Spike Cohen, I'm, I'm hoping to have kind of like an open discussion about, you know, a hodgepodge of topics um, and what that might be and everything. And I'm hoping for that. So when we interview uh, Dr. Jurgensen, it's definitely going to be a lot, entwined with what we share here on the show and the topics and stuff with uh spike i'm hoping to kind of get a little bit more broader and just some things that i personally um would like to have some more uh conversation on if you guys have a question that you would like to present like me to present or ethan present to and during this interview um, just hit me up. I can't promise you'll get in. Uh, we have, you know, a, a certain slot of time that we got to make and, uh, they, it, I can't be spending it, you know, having the time all with doing all talk. We want to listen to them. We want to hear what that to say. We want to hear, uh, what their platform is all about, but I'm more than happy. Go ahead and email us at route16 at gmail.com or just go to route16.com and go to the contact. Uh, and just let us know there. I'm more than happy to uh, look that, submit it, whatever the case may be, and we'll see what's going on. But th- as much as we're excited for the show, we're really more excited for you because you're going to have this type of access to uh, someone that literally could be walking in the White House you know, sometime next year. I know that Dr. Jorgensen's got a lot of momentum right now, even though it might not show on mainstream media. And I, I firmly believe that it's going to grow. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. And I do appreciate, I know Ethan does too, of, of just all the support that you guys have provided us and stuff. Uh, we have a lot of things we want to do. Um, we got a lot of growth that we can do. We got improvements we can do with the show to have 
three people like this to come on and share their stories and let alone someone that's you know running for president it's pretty humbling and um, thank you so much to all the listeners yeah man i'm just gonna keep saying just if you guys can please continue to go to uh stitcher or apple Podcasts or youtube you know uh, leave us a review and then on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating. It really helps us out. We definitely want to grow the show. Uh, we want to try and get in some uh, other opportunities to help grow this show a little bit more and help it benefit you all in so many different ways, not just in, in giveaways. Thank you all for joining us. Remember, if you have an idea or maybe you'd like to contribute to one of our segments, all you have to do is go to Route16.com and select Contact and let us know your idea. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X dot com and select contact. Thanks for listening to the Route 16 Grind. We want to thank our amazing sponsors, Warren Industries, Tuffy Security Products, C-State Coffee, and Route 16 Off-Road for their support. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and more. Just look for Route 16. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X. Or just go to Route16.com. Until next week, plan smart, be safe, and as always, be prepared.